being alone has never bothered me. I'm kind of used to it. I've spent a lot of time by myself. I've gone to dinner by myself, to movies by myself. That didn't bother me, but loneliness I'd never really dealt with until last year when I moved back from Florida to Georgia. 2011, I was divorced, and even at that point, I didn't feel lonely. I had my kids, I had friends, I wasn't in church. I was looking, but I really wasn't involved. But it was okay. And then in May of 2012, I was sitting, I'll never forget this, I was sitting at a stoplight, and the song Revelation by Third Day came on. And I just screamed out, God, what do you want? And I know the people in the car next to me thought I'd lost it. And I was running stores for them. And I got to work that day. And lo and behold, there was an email in there. There was a job at the corporate office. I'm accountant by training. And this was an accounting job. And every one of my employees came up and said, hey, are you going to apply? That's you. I said, yeah. So I did. I didn't get that job, but they had another opening. So they brought me to Florida. I went down where I knew no one. Again, but I wasn't lonely. It was okay, I knew I was going to something, not from something. This was God telling me, I want you to go here. I very quickly, God blessed me with a church and I've never gone to a large church in my life. And this one was like 3000 members. But I learned there what love was, what it was like to be loved. I learned grace, mercy, things I had never really known. I had always, yeah, I was saved, but I didn't get it. And it was, it was so wonderful. I got involved. I started teaching classes for the singles. We built a singles ministry down there. And it was great. And then July of 2018, I got a simple text from my daughter on a Sunday afternoon. It was, did you go to church this morning? And that was kind of odd for her. I replied back, no, sweetie, I'm going tonight. We have a night service. She said, okay. I said, why, did you go? She goes, no, I'd like to, but we never go. And I took that as maybe it's time to go home. So I started exploring. And from July of 2018, by October 2018, I was back in Georgia, working with a job, staying with some friends while I was looking for a house. I closed on a house in November of uh, 2018. When I closed on it, that's when the first loneliness hit because here I was, I had made all these great friends in Florida, had a wonderful church, I had support from everybody. And here I had this wonderful thing that God had blessed me with, and I had nobody to share that with. I mean, yeah, my friends from Florida sent me texts. They sent me emails. They were happy for me. They knew what, you know, they watched as I went through the process of how we believe God opened. This house was for me. I started looking for a church home, and the first church I went to, by the time I left, I felt like if I went back, because I was divorced, I would have to wear a scarlet D and scream unclean when I came through the door. I didn't feel welcome. And I tried other churches. I went to one and I liked the church because I got to explore them further. One of the leaders said, and I mentioned I was divorced and he said, well, we'll love her. And then I found Crossroads and started getting involved and checking it out. And when my daughter would come up, she would come with me. And it was getting, you know, holidays, a little crazy. But after the holidays, I got involved in a small group and they were all married with young kids. I was older, but I was accepted. I was wanted, I was loved, I fit right in and it was great. I started feeling a part of something again. And then March came around. I'm, I've always had animals. I had a cat that passed away in September and that made me sad. But in February, I lost a friend. I had a bird, I'd had it for 34 and a half years and she passed away. And it really left a hole in me because this was a bird, everything I've been through since I was 21 years old, this bird had been with me. 
And that was lonely. And like I say, then March hit. And it was like, I can't deal with this. I really can't. But through all of it, God was speaking to me saying, you know, if you're lonely in the church, how many others are lonely in the church? And when it comes to church, a lot of times we hide behind masks and walls because we think I'm in church, just want perfect. And that is so far from the truth. And there are so many in the church that just want to live by law, not by grace. And as I begin to think about it and deal with it more, I begin to understand, especially from the perspective of being divorced, people who are divorced, especially in the middle age, are some of the loneliest people you'll ever know. Because honestly, when you become divorced, you really don't feel a part of the church. You feel kind of on the outside. You may have your kids, but it's not the same. God's talked to me about what I've learned is people in the church are lonely too, and they hurt too, but they don't know who to go to to get help. And that's what I think, if nothing else I've learned, is that everybody needs somebody. Yes, we have Jesus, but we are the hands and feet. And if they can't come to us, they won't stay. Let's give him a hand. That was David Skinner. So today we're talking about being honest to God about our loneliness. And let's just be honest. There is an epidemic of loneliness in our culture today. Uh, a few years ago, in the United Kingdom, England, appointed a loneliness minister because it has become such a huge problem in England. Uh, 2018, University of uh, uh, UCLA did a study, and uh, they, they're finding, and those who were surveyed, a quarter of the people who they surveyed said, there is no one who understands me. And about half of the people said they identified with two phrases, either that they felt alone or that they felt left out. Look, guys, this isn't just about singles or being single or being divorced. All of us, at times in our life, have to deal with loneliness. And maybe you need to think back. Uh, you could go back to a time where you felt lonely. Maybe it's even right now and you're in a season of loneliness. And I'm just going to pray God ministers to us and to those that we have contact with through this message today. Uh, I thought back about some times in my life where I'd been lonely. Uh, a few of them popped up. And I'm going to take you all the way back to five-year-old Rod who's crying, looking out his house window, crying in a home all by himself. Let me tell you the story. So in, we lived in Stoughton, Wisconsin at the time. And back then, um, you could walk to school. It was just a few blocks away. I can't even imagine sending my kids, you know, a, a kindergartner, that was me, and my older sister, who was second grade, walked to school together every day. Uh, you can't even think about that today. But we walked to school, and Mom had told me, now to be fair, to be good, uh, real with Mom, she had told me, look, we have a meeting of the brownies. Remember the brownies? They're still the brownies that lead up to the Girl Scouts. My sister was in the brownies, and they had a meeting after school at the school. And she told me what room to go to, and she said, I'll meet you there after school. And for whatever dumb reason, I thought I had heard an announcement, and someone in the hall told me something different, that the meeting had been canceled. It's kind of unclear because that was only like that was like 20 years ago, you know, when I was five. So, um, so I walked back home thinking the meeting was canceled uphill both ways. By the way, uh, walked back home to an empty home, and I went through every room of the house. Mom, where are you? Mom, where are you? And I got to the big bay window, looking out down the street, back towards the school, and just cried my eyes out. Everybody say, "Oh, thanks." I feel a little better. We're going to look at a psalm. 
where David felt utterly and totally alone and how he uh, was ministered to by the Lord and how he set himself on a different path in his loneliness. And it starts in Psalm uh, 69. We're going to start in verse 6. He says this, God of Israel, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my mother's children. Your zeal for, uh, for zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. David is alone, utterly alone. He is being chased and pursued to be killed by the king of Israel, Saul. And he is enduring a season of loneliness. And so the first thing I want you to hear, if you're feeling alone or depressed or discouraged today, you are not alone in your loneliness. Even people like David had to face this. And I can just picture David, a young man, maybe in his late teens, maybe in his early 20s. He's literally being hunted by the most powerful, most respected man really on the planet, King Saul. And he's alone, like really alone all by himself. And maybe you know exactly how that feels, to be totally alone. 2020 hadn't been good to us in this department, has it? We've had shelter in place. We've had to social distance. Some of us have had to quarantine. And look, that has not helped us. It's affected so many of us because we are wired for social connection and so much of that part of our life has been taken away. I believe it's affecting our students and our kids more than anybody else. It's a problem. We are wired for connection. And now some of you are saying, I'm an introvert. I've kind of liked being home all the time. I don't need a lot of people in my life. But I want to I want to point you to an illustration a guy named Larry Osborne said in his book Sticky Church. He said we are all like Legos. You're like a Lego. Meaning we all have little circles that we need to be connected to other Legos. And some of us are introverts, and you just have like five or six little spots where you want to plug people into your life. And if you have two or three or four or five people that you're close to, you're good. And some of us are extroverts, and we're a big piece of Lego. And we're trying to stick as many people on that sucker as we can. And regardless of which one of those categories you fall into, we all are wired to be connected to other people. We desperately need that connection. In fact, listen to what God says just in chapter 2 of the Bible, in Genesis 2. He says to Adam, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. He says it's not good to be alone. Now, he's saying that to Adam, and, and our minds immediately go to this idea of marriage because in that context, he creates Eve, and then that's his wife, and, and then everything's hunky-dory. But listen, it is not good for man or woman. God does not say it is not good for man to be single. God said it is not good for man or woman or child to be alone. And there's a big difference there. In fact, I'll even say this. Um, God inspired the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He said this, listen, if you're single, there's actually advantages to being single. And if you are single, you should read that passage. He said, listen, because you're single, you can more fully and wholeheartedly devote yourself to the things of God and the purposes of God and the mission of God because you're not distracted with other things. So God never said it is not good to be single. He said it is not good to be alone. We're wired for connection, every single 
one of us. So here's David, completely unconnected. Let's see how that, that affects him emotionally. He says uh, later in the psalm, in verse 20, he says this, Scorn has broke my heart. You been there? Just a broken heart, feeling utterly alone and lonely. Scorn has broke my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. David was being honest to God that he felt completely isolated and completely alone in this desperate situation that he's in. And in his worst days, he felt like nobody was there for him. And let's just be honest, that kind of isolation, that kind of discouragement, that kind of loneliness can destroy us. You know, God wired every single one of us with basic human needs. Every single one of us in this room or watching online have a strong desire, a need to be loved. We have a need to belong. We need, a, we need to be valued and we need purpose in our lives. God has wired every single one of us with those needs. And so because He has wired us that way, He's wired us for connection with others. Without them, with those needs not getting met, man, we shrivel up and die on the inside. That's the reason God said it is not good to be alone. Can I tell you, if you're suffering from loneliness today, the first thing I need you to hear is that though you may feel lonely right now, is you do not have to stay lonely. You don't have to be alone. There are people who care about you. They may not, you may not look around and like David, not see them immediately in your presence. But there's people that care about you and there's a way forward because there is a God who desperately longs for you to be connected. In fact, I know God's will for your life and for my life is for you to be thriving in healthy relationships with others. That is feeding your soul and meeting these very basic human needs he's given you. To be loved, to be accepted, to be known be approved of and so we need a plan if you're feeling dealing with loneliness that may be right here right now that's exactly what you're going through you maybe you've had this season in your past likely it's going to happen some point in the future and we need to have sort of a game plan together if we're going to battle loneliness to know what to do and so i'm going to give you a fill in the blank here we need both a short-term and a long-term plan when it comes to loneliness. Short-term and long-term. What do I mean? Let me use the analogy of golf. Any golfers in here? Okay, don't ever invite me to come with you. Because most of the time when you're a golfer, you say, yeah, I've got a really strong long game, but you know my putting's not so good. Long game is getting it from the tee to near the, the green, and then the short game is the chipping and the putting when you get close to getting it in the hole. And mo most people that golf say, yeah, I've got a strong short game, but long game or one or the other, i got neither. My game is in the woods looking for balls. I mean, that's like my specialty. So don't invite me. I don't want to come. I don't care if you're paying. I'll, I'll shoot hoops with you. Anyway, the short game. The short game when it comes to loneliness is what you can do right along in the midst of loneliness. What is the immediate thing that you need to do to battle loneliness? The long game is, is more the, the deepening and the growing and expanding of relationships which take time. The short game is sort of the, the first aid to loneliness, and the long game is the cure. So let's talk about the, first, the short game first. Actually, before we do that, we need both. 
We need both a short game and a long game because when we feel lonely, it is such a destroying and debilitating feeling that we'll do nearly anything to get rid of that feeling. And because of that, it may lead us to make some very poor long or short-term choices in order that we not feel alone. And if we're not careful, it can cause us to make decisions like, well, I'm going to f- turn to substance and ultimately substance abuse. I don't want to feel alone anymore. So you turn to those things so you don't feel lonely. It could mean that you, you settle or you lower your standards and you allow or stay in a toxic relationship that you know is not good for you, that is destroying you, but you feel like maybe that's all I can expect out of life or all that, that I'm worthy of, and so I'll just stay in a toxic relationship. Or maybe it's you're so desperate for love that even, even though you know it's a cheap substitute, you're willing to give your body away physically and in intimacy to someone else just so you feel a momentary connection with someone else. So our short-term solution is simply this. First of all, have, have a go-to person. Have a go-to person. If you're feeling lonely, discouraged, depressed, have somebody you can call. Tight like a and you only need one. David had Jonathan. And it said in the scriptures, they were like tight like a brother. In fact, he said almost like a, a man has a relationship with his wife. They were so close and so intimate. They're such good friends that they could just talk about anything. We need that kind of go-to person in our life. When we're down or discouraged, to have someone we can call, have someone we can text, someone so you say, hey, will you pray for me? And you know without a doubt they're going to pray for you, they're going to check on you because they love you. We all need that go-to person in our life. And when you go to that person, Everything I know about discouragement and even depression is that that's like the hardest thing in the world to do is to reach out when, you, when you're feeling that way. Can I, just, can I just challenge you, if that's you, to push through that emotion, to push through that block that says don't reach out, or, or the shame or the condemnation or, or whatever it is that might keep you from making that call, to make the call to your go-to person. And when you do, just tell them honestly what's going on. I mean, I've just found out most guys are really dumb. And we don't get a hint. We don't read between the lines. And so just spell it out. Just tell them I'm hurting. I'm lonely. I'm depressed. I need a friend. I need prayer. Whatever it is that you just spell it out. And you go to your go-to guy. Do you have a go-to person in your life? when you're feeling down. Everybody needs that person. And let me just say this. You may not be battling loneliness or discouragement or depression right now, but you very well likely might be in the future. So go ahead and find that person now before you get in that situation. What's going on in my life, and they pray for me, and they're cheering for me, and I do the same for them. And it is such a breath of fresh air to know that somebody's got my back. We all need a go-to person. Secondly, if we're talking about first aid and you're battling things like depression and anxiety and suicide and you've had those kind of thoughts, you also need a go-to place. What do I mean? You don't need to stay isolated at home by yourself when you start having those thoughts. 
when you start feeling that way, you need to get around other people and be, be so, even just not even interacting, but just be around other people. And I'm as serious as I can be. You just show up at the ER. Just don't check in. Just hang out. Or go to Waffle House. They're open at 3 in the morning. And you've got somebody. You're, you're not a danger to yourself. They have a go-to place. Finally, I want you to write this down. It may not be for you. It may be for someone else. It may be for you at some point. But there's a hotline that you can actually text at any time to get a live person. Write this down. You text the word HOME, H-O-M-E, to this number, 741-741. And you'll get a live person texting back to you, just checking on you. And they'll stay on the line texting back and forth with you as long as you need them when you're hurting. Home, H-O-M-E, the 741-741. Someone you know might need that. Without judgment, they will love you and pray for you and help you. Can I tell you, if that's where you are today, you're in that rough bottom place, at the end of this message, there's going to be a song, and I'm just going to invite you to go back to the next step table and let one of our staff pray with you and encourage you during that song. And don't leave here in the same condition your heart was in when you walked in. Let God minister to you through someone else today. That's the short game. Let's look at the long game. The long game. Two things there. First of all, if we're going to develop a long-term cure for loneliness, there's two things we got to be about. And one is we have to develop our connection with God. Develop our connection with God. Look at what David says. Uh, Starting in verse 13, he says, But I pray to you, Lord, in the times of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Man, when David's high and on the mountain, and then he says, Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me from the deep waters. He's also saying, look, when it is bad, when it is dark, when it is bleak, at the very bottom, as low as I've ever been, God, I also pray to you. God, I also cry out to you. I also call on you to be my rescuer and my help and my salvation and my hope. David found great comfort in this relationship with God, seeking God in those low moments. You know, we can too. And I really believe this. No no matter how good your job is going or how many accolades you get or how many attaboys or how satisfying other relationships are in your life, God has wired something in the human spirit that we will never be fully satisfied apart from a connection with our Creator and Heavenly Father who loves us. Just everything else falls a little bit short. And so he says, come to me, come to me, seek me, call me in those dark waters. And I love this list. God has an unconditional love for you, which means you don't have to fake it with God. And you don't have to perform for God. And you don't have to watch your tone with God. And you don't have to mask your emotions with God. You don't have to be strong in front of God. You don't otherwise have to be anything other than yourself with God. His love for you is unconditional, and you can be a total wreck at the lowest point, lacking faith, whatever it is, and God says, I love you, and at your weakest, God is strongest, and when we come empty, He is at His best in loving us. There's a story you might be familiar with in the Scriptures about the prodigal son, Luke 15. 
And it's a story about two brothers, but the youngest brother says, God, I, uh, Dad, I basically wish you were dead. Give me my money, my inheritance. I'm taking off. And he goes and he makes a bunch of bad decisions, does a bunch of stupid things. He runs out of money. He's in a bad place spiritually. He's hungry because he hadn't had anything to eat. And the thought occurs to him, I'll just go back to my dad and ask him to hire me to work on the farm. And so he decides to do that, and he's comes heading back home. And the Scripture says the father sees him a long way off. He's been looking for him. And the father, as soon as he sees him, goes running to his son. And before his son could get the whole sentence out, he wraps his arms around him. And he throws his robe on him and his ring on him. And he sandals on him. And he says, I'm reinstating you as my son. You're not a servant. You're a son. And he says, I want to throw a party for you because now you've come back to me and I have to celebrate you returning to me. Can I tell you, there's a God in heaven who is your heavenly father and he loves you like that father loves you. And all it takes is a prayer or a turn back to God and he comes running to meet you. You don't have to meet him halfway. He comes running to you because he unconditionally loves you. And so lean into that love. Develop that relationship with your heavenly Father. There's all kinds of things we do to develop that relationship, prayer and Bible study and all kinds of stuff. Let me just say this. Do all those things. But if you're at your lowest point and prayer is how you best connect with God, then when you're at that low place, pray, pray, and pray. And if the Word of God ministers to your spirit like nothing else and you're in a low point in your life, man, get in God's Word and read it and listen to it and let it feed your spirit. If listening to music and music is a big part of your connection with God and that brings you out of a low place, man, listen to music. Sing it. Sing it off key. But let music draw you to the Heavenly Father. If nature, if you're being in His creation, connects you with your Heavenly Father, man, and you're in a low place, man, find a time to get reconnected in His creation with your Heavenly Father. I love this verse from 1 Timothy 5. It says, The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. When we find this connection with the Lord, when we develop this connection with Him, you know what we discover? We realize we're never alone. You're never alone. There's never been a day He's forsaked you. There's never been a day that He's left you. And in the lowest points of my life, when I wondered if I was really on the right path, the, the one truth that has kept me secure is that I am not alone. There's a God who loves me and is with me. Same thing is true for you as a child of God. You're not alone. Secondly, we need to develop our connection with others. Develop our connection with others. You understand that God in Himself is a relational God. We use the word Trinity because God is one God, yet He is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And those three persons are one God, and I don't understand that. And if you do, come explain it to me. I don't fully get that, but I believe it. And God has always existed, and He's always existed in three persons. That means God has never been not in perfect communion with Himself, except for one time we'll get to in a second. 
And it says that you and I, men and women, boys and girls, were made in the image of God himself. And because he is a relational God, we are made in his image. And so we are relational creatures and we long to be connected with others, just like our God. Look what David says. He says, let heaven and earth praise him. The seas and all that moves in them, for God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. David in his loneliness in a dark, dank cave. He, he gets comfort from the fact being among the people of God, and it comforts him and lifts him to know that he is made for connection, and one day he'll have it again. He craves it like we crave it. But can I tell you, relationships don't just happen. We have to work at them, don't we? They don't just happen. Um, when I was a kid, um, by the time I got to ninth grade, my family had moved six different times, six, six different states. And so I got pretty good at saying goodbye to people. Um, <clears throat> but um, I guess maybe my, my brother and sister had this problem. I'm sure I didn't, but... Um, They'd come home from a new day in a new school in a new city in a new state and you didn't know anybody and you might come home a little mopey. Okay, maybe I was a little mopey too. And my mom was so good about it. She always said this, in order to have a friend, you have to be a friend. Yeah, mom. And she said every time, every time we got mopey, in order to have a friend, you've got to be a friend. About the fifth time we moved to the fifth different state, she said, we'd say it with her, I know, to have a friend, you have to be a friend. I was like, how about we not move for a little while? Wouldn't that be a solution too? You know what she was telling me? You're going to have to step outside your comfort zone. You're going to have to take some initiative. You're going to have to uh, try. You're going to have to work. Friendship doesn't just happen. There's so many things outside of our control when it comes to relationships. Friends move. Friendships dissolve. People let us down. Conflict gets in the way. And it's so easy to have relationships fall apart. And the older one and people have let us down that we just decide we're not going to keep trying to build relationships with people anymore we got to fight that. we got to fight that. Look what God's Word says, Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one. You believe that? Two's better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Sometimes you need an extra hand, right? If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Guys, we need each other. We need connection with other people in our lives. We need it. We need it. We need it. You remember about four or five months ago, they had the hashtag alone together. You see that on our screens as we quarantine or sheltering. You think, what does that mean? I don't know about you. That didn't help me. Oh, other people are alone too. That's great. That didn't help me any. You know what we need when we're alone is we need a friend. We need that person 
that go-to person. We need people to know, know that people care about us. We need a group of people in our lives. That's why this church is based on small groups. We have small groups in our children's ministry. We have small groups in our student ministry. We have small groups for Celebrate Recovery. We have small groups that are co-ed. We have small groups for women. We have small groups with singles and, and married together. We have two small groups just for single people. We have all these small groups because we know something. We are desperately in need for connection with one another. And if they ever try to shut this down, guess what? Crossroads doesn't stop because we still meet as small groups. Because we need each other. And the church isn't a building. The church are the people pulling together and living for Jesus Christ. That's the church. Can I just challenge you? If you're you're in a small group, press into that. Love the people God has put in your group and develop relationships with them. If you're not in a group, can I just challenge you to check some out? You're going to find one that you love. You're going to find someone that will go to battle with you, that will pray with you, that will encourage you. you got one for you that will help you when you need something. They're there when you fall down. you got one to pick you up. And now listen to this. Because loneliness is literally at an epidemic level, we have an incredible, as the church, we have an incredible opportunity for ministry. People are lonely. There's a whole bunch of people in our culture that are lonely. There are thousands upon thousands of people in this community that are lonely. And all they really need is for someone to befriend them and to love them. Can we do that? Can we not be people that look for people that need other people and invest in them and love them and become their friend? You know, there's lots of other groups that take advantage of that. Jehovah's Witnesses do a great job of finding people that are alone and befriending them. Other cults do the same thing. You know, gangs do this. When, when, uh, when uh, somebody's looking for a male figure in their life in certain places, then the gang can be that, and they invite them in and allow them to be a part of their group, and now they feel like they belong, and that's how gangs do. They really prey on that idea. Do you understand that the that the LGBTQ community accepts people that other people don't accept. And so since these people are longing for a place to belong, they jump in with them because at least there they feel accepted. Can I tell you something? Every church facility across the nation and the world ought to be the most, the most loving and accepting place for anybody to step their foot into, that anyone should feel welcome to come to God's church. And that the church, you and I, ought to be the most accepting people on the planet. That we ought to love people with a radical, undeniable uh, love for them, regardless of who they are and regardless of what they're going through. It doesn't mean that we necessarily agree with everything they're doing in their life, but they know that we love them and we accept them as a person. And we ought to be the most accepting people on the planet. You know who is the most alone person ever? Jesus Christ. I can't imagine what it was like to step out of heaven where the angels, he was surrounded by tens of thousands of angels worshiping him, creatures that the scriptures have a hard time describing, falling down in worship of him. He was surrounded and he came basically alone. But it wasn't until the end of his life that I think he was most alone, even though he was misunderstood by his family and all these people trying to follow him. At the very end of his life, he was, he was really alone. 
In fact, right before his arrest, he told the disciples this in John 16. He said, a time is coming. In fact, it's now come. It's going to happen tonight. When you will be scattered each to your own home, you will leave me all alone. These people he had invested in, these guys he had loved, these people that he had done for and loved and, and done ministry with, you're leaving them. He says, yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. And then just a few moments later, they go to the, the Garden of, of Gethsemane, and he's praying, and, and Jesus is in that darkest place he's ever been. He knows that torture awaits him and that death on a cross awaits him and that the weight of the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, and the sin of all mankind, can you imagine how much wrong and evil that was? It was going to be placed upon his back, and he would be judged for all of our sin. And in that moment, he said, I guys... I need prayer. Will you guys pray with me? And so he goes a little further, and three different times he comes back to his friends and said, how are you doing and praying for me? And every single time they're sleeping. He must have felt alone. And then the worst was on the cross when God decided to finally judge that sin. And the sin of the collective sin of humanity was placed upon Jesus Christ. And God, because the Father, because He's holy and perfect, had to turn His back. The first time and the only time the connection between Father and Son was broken was because God had to judge Christ for our sin. And Jesus feels that and He cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Utterly, totally alone. Jesus Christ bore your sin and my sin. He was forsaken by God so that you and I might not never be forsaken. He was forsaken so that he could take the punishment that we deserve and bear it himself. And by faith, we can have that sin removed from our life that we might have a connection and relationship with the Heavenly Father that lasts forever. As we close this message, I have three applications for three kinds of people here today. The first is if you're struggling with loneliness right now, anxiety, depression, overwhelming fear, can I tell you that you can call out on God, but this morning I'm going to ask you to do something else. Pray, but then I'm going to say, while this last song starts, if you'll go back to the next step table, one of our staff will be here and just pray with you, encourage you, and breathe life into you through the Holy Spirit. Secondly, maybe as I've been speaking, God has laid somebody on your heart, someone that you know, that you know is battling one of those things, anxiety, depression, fear, loneliness. And he's, he's asking you right now, will you reach out to them this week? Will you be my instrument? Will you be my hands and feet? Will you reach out to them and check on them and see how they're doing and pray for them and love them today? And then the third group is someone that's here that you don't really know about this relationship with God. You've heard about it. If someone asked you, do you have it? You might say, I hope so or I think so. But there's no certainty in your heart that you have a permanent, eternal relationship with a heavenly Father who loves you because he's forgiven you of your sin. And today, if that's you, I want you to understand something. Jesus Christ died exactly for that reason. The one thing that separates you from your heavenly Father is the sin in your own life. And the good news is that Jesus Christ's death upon a cross paid for that sin already. It means that by faith, if you trust in Christ, that sin can be completely removed. Will you pray with me?
relationship with your heavenly Father who loves you. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much that you're a God who runs to us. Man, as broken, as weak, as sinful as we can become, you are simply one turn away. You're one prayer away. You're one change away. And so, Father, I pray right now that your people would be turned to you. God, if they're struggling with loneliness right now, that you would, they would just call out on your name right now and say, God, meet me here. I'm struggling. I want to know you and that I'm not alone because you're with me. God, I think about the person in this room who's not sure, but today they've realized that this relationship with you is possible, not based on their own merit or their work or achievement or anything they can do other than by believing in Christ Jesus, what he's already done for them on a cross, that he's already paid for all of your sin. And he's just waiting for you to acknowledge that and to place your faith in what he's already done for you. Because Christ simply didn't die for your sin. He rose from the dead and he offers you eternal life and a relationship with your Father by placing your faith in him. If that's you here today, why don't you just do business with God right now and say, God, would you take that sin from me? I admit, I acknowledge there's things that are blocking my relationship with you, this sin that's in my life, but I believe, Jesus, that you paid for it all. And so I'm just, I'm just saying I'm sorry. I put my me. Will you remove my sin and my shame? I put my faith completely and totally in Jesus and what you did for me on a cross. I believe you rose from the dead. And so I receive your life that you give. And from this day forward, I want to follow you and try to live for you. Lastly, if you know someone, you're here today, and you know somebody who's struggling, God, I just ask for you to prick each of our hearts with one person to reach out to this week, that we will be obedient to love them right where they are. God, as the song starts and we sing, I just pray you move in your people. If they're struggling today, that they'll, they'll take a step and go back to that table. We ask that in Jesus' name.